You are now tuned in to Saved and Woke. What up, everybody? It's your boy, MSW. That's Mr. Save the Wonk, also known as Juan Enrique Tuse. And I'm here today with my man, Mr. Magnificent Miles. So, yeah, we are here to chop it up once again about things that are going on right now, some current events, and even some pop culture stuff. So, we're just going to dive right into it today. I was talking to Miles before we got started about all the stuff that I got to do. How busy I've been today is no exception so today's episode might be a little shorter than what, it, what it's usually been <laughs> but I mean still still good stuff hey hey we talk about uh trying to make sure good conversations are concise and packed full of knowledge so that's exactly, what today is exactly quality over quantity so the first two things I want to talk about two shows are yeah Two shows that I've seen on Netflix recently. As you all know, I've recently graduated, so I have now I now have time to <laughs> a little bit more time to to watch Netflix. And one of the first things I watched, I think actually I think I even started this a little bit before graduation was um, I started watching Homecoming, mm -hmm. which if you don't know was a documentary by Beyonce about her Coachella performance last year. And it's not just about the performance itself, it's about the production and also and mainly the reason why she chose to execute the performance the way she did. Mm -hmm. Have you seen it? I haven't seen it. I've heard everybody talk about it. Oh my God. Look, knocking out, finishing up my masters oh, takes a lot that, of my energy. That, but that. I've heard nothing but great things. I've seen clips about it online. I've pretty much seen the whole show without actually sitting down and hitting play. <laughs> yeah, so the first thing that I saw about that performance was I think that, that one minute clip that I think everybody saw last year, it was just, it was Beyonce during one of the dance breaks, she was dancing to some song. Anyway, it doesn't matter. And it was dope, and everybody was talking about how, just from that one clip, was talking about how she was, like, really repping black cultures, particularly, like, HBCU culture, because mm -hmm. she had the, the, the school band behind her yeah. playing and doing her background music. And people were were really excited about that. Um, did you hear anything about that? I did. You did? Okay. Cool. Yeah. So one thing that I was thinking because when I can when I talk about being woke, like I'm pretty critical of of everything. Mm -hmm. Well, I try to be. I try to look at everything with a critical lens, especially when you're talking about trying to bring equity or diversity into spaces and that's what Beyonce supposedly was doing with that performance and that, when I first I was really I was highly critical because I was like hmm but basically the question I was asking myself I was like is Beyonce like was she really drawing it bringing attention to 
black culture or was she just capitalizing mm. off of black culture? And I mean, I just that, that was just a question I had for myself and I like I remember I posed that to one of my to my class. Mm-hmm. Um, during, a, during a presentation and people were like hmm, hmm, hmm. Um, some people uh, there was one girl in the class who was like one I don't think you should have asked that question and she had, she had a pretty good reason for that but like I said that question I, ra- I raised that question having not seen the documentary because the, the documentary wasn't released until like a few months ago mm-hmm. um, but now after seeing that documentary yeah. I was just like yo Beyonce was definitely doing it for the culture. Definitely yeah. did a great job. Just giving, like, bringing exposure, about bringing exposure to what I think is just such a really important and like crucial piece of of black culture, which is like H Bush HBCUs. Yeah. Um. When I look at that, like, I don't see her as just, like, capitalizing off of it. Mm-hmm. Because I think there's a line there somewhere. So, like, to me, the line between, like, just capitalizing off of it and highlighting it is the amount of effort and time and the people that you bring into it. Mm-hmm. So, like, even when we talk about, like, appropriation versus appreciation, I think the, the difference is are the people who have created and lived in this culture for so long, are they the ones getting at least credit, compensation, or uh, respect for it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And when you see the effort and time and how long she worked on all on that entire performance, yes. it, was, it was months and months and months and months in creation. And that's not even talking about conceptual, right? Yeah. And when you spend that much time in something, like you build that appreciation. So I feel like she always saw uh, HBC culture, HBCU culture, and especially band culture, because that is something that gets. That's like the heart of it. That's so crucial to HBCU culture. And I'm saying this as someone who has not gone, I've not attended an HBCU, but it's, mm-hmm. and I don't. Did you? No, I did not. No, but it's just like. It's so ingrained in black culture that even people who don't go, who have not gone to HBCUs, know something about it. Cause like we live, like we live in Durham, we live just right up the street from North Carolina Central University, mm-hmm. and I man, you can't, you can't get away from it. Like, mm-hmm. and and it's just something that even I myself was like, man, I really wish a lot of times I was like, I wonder what it would have been like what it would have been like to, to go to HBCU. I know there's like a lot of benefits, especially one, just culturally, and just having mm-hmm. that, that sort of incubation from so much hate that comes from being, and just, just, just the pressure and all the, the microaggressions and whatnot that come from being in, in predominantly white spaces that you don't have to worry about. Yeah. To some, to, 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 a, to a greater extent and at HBCU, but it's just ingrained in our culture and even black, like I said, even black people who don't, who have not gone to HBCUs, like some form of the HBCU culture, it's just ubiquitous throughout all of blackness. Yeah. I mean, so I went to, uh, for the first two years of high school, I went to uh, Cass Tech in mm-hmm. Detroit. It's downtown, right in downtown Detroit, predominantly black. 
very competitive and the band culture was a huge thing there. So then when people graduate from CAS, especially if they were in the bands, then they would try to go down to FAMU. They would try to go down to Clark. They would try to go down to Southern HBCU campuses because bands are so important there. It's such a big lifestyle. So like, even without living that experience, I understand and I recognize it from a distance. So like I have family in Atlanta and bands are huge there, mm-hmm. huge. And, and you kind of get that Howard, Hampton, like certain, certain places, you know, oh yeah. Fancy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know exactly where that culture thrives. So then I feel that Beyonce, cause she, I don't think she went to college, correct? No, she did not. She did not go to college, but she had an appreciation of the culture so much that she sought out people to bring that as a a unique cultural experience for anybody watching her on that Coachella stage. Yeah, I know her her goal was to bring the culture to the forefront, especially being the first black woman to, to headline. Coachella, which I didn't know until I watched the documentary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in the documentary, she also she said that she always, when she was a girl growing up, they would always go to homecoming, wherever it was that they live. I can't remember. Yeah, she's what. Houston, right? Yeah, she's. Well, no, well, I, I don't know. She's honestly from somewhere in Texas. Um, and she wanted to go to an HBCU, but she said I didn't. She said my college was. She said Destiny's Child was my college, so that's yeah. what that's what that's what that's was happening with, her, happening with her. And so she she found a way to bring her to merge her desire to just elevate um black culture to like just give it a platform in the mainstream with her her childhood desire of going to hbcu and she did it in a really really cool uh, powerful and fun way yeah and going back to my question that i had posted my classmates before I was like, when I asked, I was like, is she, is she promoting or just capitalizing? And then one of my classmates, uh, who is, she was the only black female in my class. Mm. She came up to me, she was like, well, Juan, like, you know, people go about promoting and advocating in their circles and just, they go along with their profession. So like, if I'm a, if I'm a doctor, then I'm going to bring respect to the culture by being a great doctor. And she's, like, she's an artist, so how else is she going to bring? Like, how, what, what, what do we expect her to do? You know, she's not she's not a politician. She's she's not a public commentator or anything like that. And I was like, hmm, I guess you're right. I myself. Well, that was another way of thinking about it back then when I had only seen that one minute clip. Yeah. Yeah. And with no background, it was just a clip of the performance I think somebody took on their phone. But I thought this was really, really cool. And I think the reason it's important and one reason I want to talk about it, I wanted to even mention on the podcast is because I feel like as central to black culture as HBCUs, HBCUs are, I feel like to a lot of white people, they don't even know that HBCUs like even exist. And if they do have some knowledge, it's really limited. Yeah. 
you know and I, I think like the, the danger of that is that if you if you don't know that certain institutions exist then you won't you also won't be aware of when they are being slighted or oppressed from like an institutional or systematic standpoint mm -hmm. you know um because like if you don't think you're if you don't if you don't think there's any HBCUs in your state and then there's like a line item in a bill or something that's saying that clearly says they're going to reduce funding for mm -hmm. these specific schools if you don't know that like hmm because I mean you can't really tell unless you know you can't really tell just by looking at the name of a school that it's an HBCU so if you just like see that we're reducing funding for X Y and Z schools and increasing it for these but if you know that those are HBCUs like mm -hmm. then you should you can be concerned and then hopefully take some form of of action but you first gotta know that they exist well one of the problems when we look at situations like that is because nowadays if you bring up that there are historically uh black colleges and universities even if people know and get the base concept they may think that they're not necessary anymore true there are people even in our own community that say that HBCUs are not necessary anymore. So then there goes, then creates this entire conversation of like, how do you, that, why, for one, that they, people have to validate the necessity for these, these yeah. institutions. Yeah. But then all of a sudden you spend so much time trying to validate your existence that you forget the more important things and I think um, it's important not to completely fall into that trap of always trying to make sure everybody gets or understands because then there's a point of uh, selling the culture or and, and I think that might also be my personal distinction between capitalizing is that when you're the only person talking about it I don't believe that it's capitalizing because for many years People didn't put, uh, didn't put traditional Southern band music in, in performances. Mm -hmm. So if this was like a wave and everybody was putting bands in there and then she came out and did that, then I believe she would be capitalizing on a potential trend. But by her doing it first and it just being something that was uh, neglected or or not even neglected, but just hasn't been in the forefront of culture for a while, I think she took a very big chance and then it connected with a lot of people uh, from that culture by saying like, yo, this was so great. It reminded me of school, it reminded me of this because she combined it also with um, black Greek life, yep. which is yeah. something that a lot of people misunderstand or don't understand. She combined it with a lot of things that are culturally relevant to uh, the average college-bound African-American person. Yeah. And I think that served as a good place to start conversations. It's just we have to be really careful to not say, to not allow these conversations to be started and then not control the narratives attached to those conversations. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I mean, in a word, Homecoming was awesome. One because you got to see the whole show after seeing that that one clip. Yeah, I was like, dang, is that all we get to see? Is, is there no other video? But I think you know, 
Beyonce clearly knew that she was going to be yeah. producing a documentary. So I'm pretty sure she did a really, really good job of putting the lockdown on any footage yeah. of, of of the show. But it's, it's a great watch. Yeah. I think it's great for, for black people. I think it's great for people, all people, just, to, just to, to get that glimpse and to see how rich the HBCU culture yeah. is. And I know, so I do plan to watch it because... I like to let some hype go down around certain things, especially anything regarding Beyonce. I say, I say, let me get some space before I, I spend time with it because I want to go in there with with uh, with clean eyes. I want to go in there without without being influenced. But the beautiful thing about it is that she's so dedicated to creating uh, to her craft because. It's honorable that somebody even said that she's an artist because a lot of musicians aren't really artists anymore. They are businesses. They are brands that are poised to make money. Now, yes, she may also be a brand, yeah. but when I when I hear, when I think about anything that she puts her foot in, that she puts her time into, I expect high quality. I expect it to be very... Um, very culturally rich especially especially since like lemonade like i really i really expected really good uh hidden little meanings behind things and cultural uh connections that i really appreciate so i'm all for uh i'm all for her work and homecoming has been something that's been on my list and i can't wait to get to it that's what's up yeah watch homecoming and if you've already seen it, watch it again. Because um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, have, I still haven't got a chance to just watch it once all the way through. I keep like watching it in pieces. But, you know, the bucket list, maybe yeah. when I get some free time. But uh, that's all I got to say about that. I was never, oh, one thing I said, I was never, I was never like a member of the, the Beehive. <laughs> I was never really against, I, like, like uh, a hater of Beyonce. I did used to be just tired of people talking about her all the time. Because ah. I was just like, yes, we know Beyonce's amazing. Like, what else is going on in the world? Yeah. You know? Um, and I didn't, and, and I knew because I heard it from multiple people, people who I know, like, know things about production and whatnot, and pro production and performing and the work that goes into it. All of them consistently, consistently saying that Beyonce is like one of the best performers, or not one of, is the best performer currently right now. Yeah. And I was like, huh, interesting. So yeah. from an intellectual standpoint, I was intrigued to watch it. And then when I was actually viewing, I was like, oh, snap, yeah. Because she, there were so many, not, not just of her, like, more current songs, but so many throwbacks. Yeah. And also songs that aren't, that weren't, aren't even hers, but that's just, you know. I love the clip when Solange came out. Mm -hmm. uh, Solange came out and did a song with Beyonce. I was like, see, we rarely see those two perform together. And it was really interesting just seeing them happy performing. And even moments like that of sharing something like with your, your sibling and your family, like that was important. That was really, really important moment because I think there are small things that Beyonce represents. Now, I'm not in the hive. I'm actually like a uh, part-time member of the Navy. And I really, uh, and I'm a big fan of Hove. So... Uh, so Jay-Z has been somebody I've been like really so then I'm, I've always been like mm -hmm. watching and enjoying Beyonce but then I have to keep everything kind of like uh, calm 
because I've been around a lot of young ladies who are like full hive members. <laughs> like full like yeah, posters, yeah. like paraphernalia everywhere. Word, word. I'm yeah. like, all right. I got you. Lemonade was a hard month to go through when it first came out. I'm telling sure, you. I bet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember in college back when I was before I knew the Lord. I was trying to like dance with girls or whatever at parties. And when single ladies would come on, I'd just be like, oh my gosh. <laughs> that's when all the girls got uppity and didn't want to dance with nobody. Um, <laughs> but anyway, that's what I mean. Yeah, like I said, Homecoming was great. And it was it was really, really cool to see. And this is this inclusion of Homecoming in the episode is kind of, almost kind of like my, my re redemption for the question I posed earlier. But not really redemption. The question I posed to my classmates earlier, um, like... That I mentioned earlier, um, okay. just, but I, I still think it's it's important to be to, to approach things with a critical lens. Just because everybody mm -hmm. says something is amazing, like first examining, like is this really amazing? If so, why? And if it is, if it turns out to be to really be good, like Homecoming was, then mm -hmm. then great. But we should always approach stuff with that critical lens, which is kind of well, not necessarily, but brings me into the the next thing I want to talk about was something another show that I saw. Recently on Netflix, it's called Fight World. My my sister put me onto it. She said she was like Enrique, you will probably like this. And I think the show, what I gathered, what I gathered from the one episode I saw, and just from the list of episodes, I think what they do is they it's hosted by the guy who played the Hydra member and. I don't think was it one of the Avengers movies or one of the Captain America movies. Okay. He was like the the main guy that. All right, proceed. Yeah, proceed. The main guy that like fought. No, he's one of the guys that fought Captain America in Elgin. I'm not gonna go on another rant about Avengers. Anyway, it's him. Apparently, he's a martial artist, and he goes around to different countries that have or different locales that are known for a specific martial art. Mm -hmm. And the episode that I watched was the episode on Krav Maga which is a martial art. Well, they describe it as a, an amalgamation of martial arts, um, but is, I guess, was quote-unquote invented and perfected in Israel, and it's the martial art that the Israeli National Police practice. And so I thought it was a pretty interesting episode. There's a lot, probably a lot of things that I could talk about it, but what it got me thinking about, and what I want to talk today about is it just got me thinking about this one awkward thing about being saved and woke that kind of like takes me back to the very first, the first two episodes of this show when Dee and I were talking about, what were we saying? It was like the problems being a Christian in a purely progressive space and the problems of or the difficulties of being progressive in or Christian spaces. The opposite. I'm my brain, y'all. Yeah. Anyway, and this is I feel like this is another one of those another one of those points of contention of contention of dilemma of tension. Yeah, contention. And because it got me thinking, because it's in Israel, I was like, okay, so Israel. They one of one of the points they were talking about is how Israel is basically surrounded by all of these countries that do not respect its existence, right? 
and I know growing up in a very mainstream evangelical upbringing, one thing that we always hear is like, we gotta support Israel. We have to support Israel. I mean, like we're we're a Christian nation, which I had an episode about America being a Christian nation. Check that one out. We're a quote unquote Christian nation, so we gotta support Israel because you know Israel is the country of God of 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 Jewish people, and Jewish people are God's chosen people, right? And so, as a believer, I do believe that you know we should we should support Israel. However, I also know that you should not commit war. Countries should not be committing war crimes, and so it's like. I want to, like, how do you, I guess the tension I'm feeling is the, the understanding or the belief that Israel does deserve some, does deserve, like, its own statehood. And also, I understand the fact that, like, Palestinians are people created in the image of God, and no one deserves to be the the victim of any crime, but particularly violent crimes, you know, and I am not an expert on the whole Israel-Palestine conflict, mm -hmm. but I just know, I can see it for, and it's like, it's news headlines that, of things that have happened that Israel has committed, like war crimes mm -hmm. Israel's committed, and I think the ones that strike me the most and that are just the most gut-wrenching is the ones, and I think almost most most of them that I see are the crimes that they commit against um, civilians or non-combatants because I don't know a lot about war law or international you know mm -hmm. war treaties and whatnot but I do know that armies are not supposed to engage civilians mm -hmm. like if you even if you're taking over a town you're just gonna walk through and like if the if the military comes at you, then you engage the military, but you don't engage with civilians. And I, I hear about journalists being killed. Hear about just people protesting, being not 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 being like caught in the quote unquote crossfire, but like being specifically targeted and like sniped. Mm -hmm. And it's just I don't really know what to do with that. Like I was like, how how do I support? Does my support of Israel like make also mean I condone these actions? Because I mean, from an ideological standpoint, no. But I don't know how to like practically how would I show my support while right. also condemning the actions which are sins like that's just straight up murder so I took a class on uh, the Palestinian Israeli conflict and it's not as like cut and dry as people try to make it because both uh, Israelis and Palestinians have a history of supporting each other during moments of oppression against other groups and vice versa. Um, but if I looked at it right now, I have to, for me to have peace with myself, I have to separate, uh, I have to separate my support of Jewish people's existence and the nation of Islam. I mean, not nation of Islam, nation of Israel and how it functions. Gotcha. Because I don't agree with war crimes. There, there is, it's literally an apartheid there. And 
when when you look at the politics between uh, Israel and um, the United States, there is a lot. It gets a little shady. Mm -hmm. um, without like having my research right in front of me about the conflict, um, I just always have to say that I'm not for oppression. Yeah, I'm not for oppression, and the idea that the Palestinians have no rights to vote, they're not being allowed statehood in any way, shape, and form, so not even allowed a two-state uh, uh, two um, solution to what's going on is troubling because yes, Israel does deserve to exist, but also I believe Palestine does also. And if you, if you're going to this point where it's been a war going on for such a long time, and so many lives have been lost, and when you see the difference of living conditions from one group to the next, it is saddening. And I can't in good conscience support those actions. However, the uh, Israeli people or people from Israel Jewish people, the Yiddish people, whichever, I support them. Yeah, I support them as people. I support them as an ethnic group. I support them as a culture. But I don't support war crimes. I don't support systems of oppression. So I have to make sure that it is clear that you can, you can say, I support Ju the Jewish people but I don't support the actions of uh, the nation of Israel. Yeah, and reaching back towards the episode when I was talking about why I don't consider America to be a Christian nation, kind of relates to, to this topic as well, because I think you can, you can, I said it then too, you can identify a Christian nation in a lot of the same ways you can identify a Christian person. Because me as a Christian, like I can, love you and support you. I can look at you and recognize you're created in the image of God. I can love you and want the best for you. Pray all God's blessings on you. But then if I recognize that you're doing something wrong, I'm going to tell you. And I can't just put a blind eye. Well, I mean, you know, he's my brother in Christ. So, I mean, I just got to support him, whatever he, whatever he does. Like, no, yeah. that's not the case. Like, I'm yeah. a, we're going to, like, the Bible tells us, he said, those of us who are spiritually mature, when we catch our brothers in the fall, we should correct them gently. Yeah, um, and then it even goes like there's also other scriptures that talk about like you know and after a while if your brother refuses to stop sinning then that's that that's when you uh, you've done your duty and it's like all right hands off and I'm not saying that's what we should do with Israel because things it's it's so complex mm -hmm. and there's so much history behind that even even going back to to biblical times the the struggle between. Um, the people of God and um, well like the descendants of like Ishmael and, and Isaac and all that yeah. which is not something I'm going to get into today I just I I, I agree with you when yeah. you said that people make it seem like a black and white issue it was mm -hmm. like oh the people of God we got to support them it's like no man there's there's yeah. there's nuance there's a nuance to, to everything and also I don't feel like I said, you, I said people is like you really make Christians look dumb yeah when you say stuff like this, and when you're yeah. not, not dumb at at at, at, at best dumb, 
and just ignorant and at worst just cruel and uncaring when you can like look at this and like well not well sorry yeah nothing we can do about that and i mean i think i think there is also some level of having to say i'm sorry like it, it has to be some level where we say okay wrong is still wrong yep because there needs to be a statement made the same like the amount of Palestinian lives lost mm-hmm. and the and honestly the amount of uh, Israeli lives lost are both horrible horrible things and we mourn the loss of all life and if there is a solution to 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 look for that's what we're supposed to look for so just having justification by saying well we are we are God's chosen people and you're not that I think that is a dangerous slippery slope to take that could eventually end up with us being okay with genocide you know yeah and because if this count like what what is the when will this conflict stop if you can't find a peaceful solution that allows both the Palestinians and the Israelis to be um, looked at as in the most humane way possible as humans and as individuals that deserve mutual respect, then the only other option is what? That we keep allowing this war to continue and go on until they both kill each other or until one ceases to exist. Yeah. And then that means we've sat there and we've watched still people who were created in God's image being erased from this earth. And that is a tragic and horrible thing to allow. Exactly. Yeah. And again, can't say it enough. I didn't even want to begin to try and even approach the appearance of trying to give solutions. A lot of times I, I, I feel like in past conversations I have had some so solutions or suggestions to things yeah this is one of those things so it's a big issue a lot of people have dedicated their whole entire careers there's whole jobs and and uh, government agencies and organizations nonprofits, NGOs all dedicated to the conflict in that in that area which is not even the size I think it's was it like the size of Rhode Island or something yeah. Some it's, Israel is very small. Israel is really yeah, small. But it's just so much conflict is surrounding that that and like I just I just wish people would just talk with a one a little bit more humanity and then also a more spirit led. Yeah. Humanity. Because there's no way there, there's one there's no way you can't as as a Christian there's no there's no believe as a believer there's no way you can say that the Israeli people don't have a right to exist. And there's also no way, I don't think you could say, that the Palestinian people don't have a right to exist. Yeah. Um, and I wish conversations would would reflect that. Um, I think the, yeah. the whole, my whole reason behind starting this podcast is that too often, quote-unquote, religious talk takes on this partisan really really political veneer yeah that 
is not in line with with scripture and not in line with the will of God. I mean, at the end of the day, I I look at if God is love, right? And I want to find out is God in something. If I'm looking at what's going on, is there love involved? And I don't see love for their brothers mm, involved yeah. when I look at this conflict. Yep. I'm looking at the loss of life. I'm looking at the destruction of families. I'm looking at the mining and stealing of resources. Yeah. I'm looking at just all the things that my Bible tells me isn't of God. Yeah. So yeah. when I see that, no matter who's doing it, I have to recognize that there's something that must change because God is not there. Exactly. Exactly. I ain't gonna say about that. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna end it right here today, but before we go, you know we always end in a word of prayer. So, Father God, we thank you so much for this podcast. We thank you so much for the conversations we're able to have and the light we're able to shed on some obscure topics about faith and what it means to live in your will and what justice truly is. Lord, in regards to the conversations we've had today, Lord, particularly the last, help us as believers to truly exemplify your love, mercy, grace, and compassion. The word says we're supposed to love others as ourselves. And we're supposed to do unto others as we would have them do unto us. Lord God, help us. And we're not supposed to be a respecter of persons. We're not supposed to have favorites or, or show any sort of partiality. But Lord God, we do. Please forgive us, Lord. Please show us the error of our ways. And help us, Father God, to, to live and truly be like you. To truly be your ambassadors in the earth. Help us to, particularly in America, to be more compassionate with people uh, towards people who do not believe like us or who, or, or who even are against us our allies. We're supposed to pray for our enemies. We're supposed to do good to our enemies. Not return the same evil that we get from them, Lord God. And we are definitely not supposed to condone crimes. We're not supposed to condone murder and hate and malice. Help us to walk the fine line which is not even straight all the time of living in your will it's not black and white it's not an easy issue especially when we're talking about national conflicts or international conflicts that have been going on for years and years centuries even help us Lord only by your Holy Spirit can we truly live according to your will? But we thank you because it is you, Lord God, who gives us, first of all, the desire and the power to please you. 
So we thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So that's it. And until next time, y'all know what to do. Keep the faith and stay woke.